I'm amazed that a person who knows a plane will land will go thousands of feet in the sky and jump out. <laughs> I says, wow, okay, really need a thrill, huh? But it's, when you ask those people the question, why would you do it? Oh, I just enjoy doing it. A person doing a bungee jump. They so believe in that cord. They so believe in that parachute. They're into the ride because they know and they are confident that they'll be safe when they hit the ground. How many times when God tells us to jump and love our wives unconditionally, no matter what time of the life that the person is in, and we love them unconditionally, how many times do we just jump? How many times do we jump when husband really may not make a lot of sense about whatever, but he's not violating the word of God. How many times do we jump? How many times do we jump when God challenges us to give and things are tight? How many times do we jump? You see, when we are faced with God not making any sense, no common sense, and he tells us what to do, that shows evidence that I confidently believe that the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly all I could ever ask or think. I pray that that will be your heart because that heart is what? Shut the mouth of lions, bring down Goliaths, and cause a man to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stay focused. You see, what took place also struck me as a very similar to what happened in Uvalde, and that is that the police officer was out there and he is strategizing forever while people are being shot. I mean, he, he's, he, they're showing him calling, doing this, doing that, and they're showing the number of people from the videos inside the mall. This person is just walking around methodically just killing people, just methodically killing people while he is in there talking, talking to this person, talking to that person, sending police officers this way, but they're never going inside the mall. So a lot of people lost their lives, like you saw in Uvalde. Was there, did they have guns? Did they have protective wear? Yeah. Did they have bullets? Yeah. Did they have the armored cars? Yeah. They had everything that was necessary to take on those gunmen. But they did not go in until they just, uh, a group of people just decided we going in. Just like in Uvalde, we busting in this room. We're not sitting here in gunshot after gunshot and do nothing. As a result of that, the terrorists were stopped because somebody stopped being unintentional and chose to be intentional. You see, around us every day, there are people dying. There are people going to hell in this neighborhood. There are people that are not coming to church today. I mean, understand when we built our Family Life Center and our Legacy Center, they told me, one of the people who are the leaders in this community came to the groundbreaking and he told me we will be the 51st church in the Acres Home area. The 51st church. How could that many churches be right here and the crime rate in this community is still what it is? There's got to be a monkey on the line somewhere. I understand that's an issue. Because we have become content in coming to church but not being the church. We're no different than that officer standing around strategizing forever while people are dying. 
while families are falling apart, why marriages are falling apart, why young people are lost. They don't have a father in the house to guide and to lead them as a leader in the home. Don't have that. All of those things are lost. While, while people in our community are scared just to go out at night, we still have all the stuff we do through the outreach center, we're still fighting drug problems in this community. All of the work we do in this community in feeding people three times a day, three times a week now with food from the, from the food bank and, ex, and people who donate it in the cabinet, is still hunger in this community. How could we then say to God that we are any different than the officer in Uvalde? Why? Because we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. And then we want to know, why is Jesus not making this difference in my life? He says, I've already made the difference. You just don't apply it. I've already done all I'm going to do. He says, I have given you all the Holy Spirit. Not a little bit. I've poured the Holy Spirit inside of you. We got more Bible than the folks like, like Moses. Moses only, he's writing the Bible. He's writing the Pentateuch and thinks like that. We got 66 books. We got Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says we live in Christ. Christ lives in God. We've got an illuminator, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The Bible is saying he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. He said you have all spiritual blessings. That's some all. There's nothing to else to deposit. The issue isn't what we have. It's if it's what we do with it. That's the issue. And that's when we experience God powerful. That's when we see change. That's when we see God become this living organism that changes and makes a difference. How could God make a difference with 12 men over the entire world and he can't make a difference in the same manner with all these churches all over America? And we are not even under persecution. You go to Iraq, you get your head cut off. You go to some places in Turkey, you get your head cut off. You could be in the wrong class part of Nigeria and get yourself shot going to church. It is, we are able to come, we're able to go, we got heat, air conditioning, we got cushion seats. I go to Nigeria, they got them plastic seats that you get out of Walmart. And them folks sit there for three hours. I mean, they sing for two. I'm serious. They sing for two hours and then they tell me it's time to preach. I'm going, no, I'm tired. What are you talking about? Time to preach. I look at the preacher. He said, you're tired? I said, no, I didn't know y'all had four different groups going to dance before I get up. I danced at the first two and the third one thinking that was the last one. I'm, I'm from America. We baseball, three strikes. I'm thinking that this thing is done. Then y'all had the little kids to dance. Then you had the young kids to dance. Y'all had all these groups. So by the time the third group, I'm trying to catch my breath. And then everybody's dancing and singing. And folks, you, you think the dance group is the only group in the persons that, oh, folks start dancing. And then don't let the people get excited. The preacher come down from the pulpit and they start doing their thing. And I'm standing up there looking real American trying to dance and everybody's laughing at me like you don't even have the cultural dances you don't even know nothing and we come and we have all of this we got cushion seats air conditioned heat they ain't got no air conditioning church they open up the windows 
That's what they have. And they don't eat. I'm thinking, man, after four hours, they're going home. No, they're in, the, they in the churchyard. I see some African folk here. They're in the churchyard. they babies sitting on the stuff they take off their back. And the babies are there and the women are sitting and talking and the men are talking. And they, they go through all of this after church. We got all of this freedom. We get to come and go. And where does our faith show our confidence in God? That God, we confidently walk with God. We confidently serve God. COVID come and our confidence went out the door. We can't believe God the same way. Because it's not a lack of God. It is not a lack of God. It's a lack of us putting God to do what he promises he will do. And that's the only difference. We read these books in the Bible and we think these people were great heroes. No, they had confidence in God. Daniel go, go into a lion's den because he had confidence in God. That's what he had. He believed that God could take care of him. And if God doesn't, he's going to heaven. So what's the difference? It never said the lion slept. You know, when they threw the people that accused him into the lion's den, they were dead before they hit the ground. That tells you how hungry those lions were. Could you imagine sitting there and having lions as big and massive as they are, moving around you all night, growling, going on, and you still believe in Jesus? Come on now. I know some of y'all be scratching up the walls trying to get out of there. Daniel waited, and as a result of that, he saved the nation. He saved the nation. He chose, he cho he chose to, ch to do that for God and he changed the culture of politics in that country. One man in the most powerful country in the known world. And we got all these Christians in all these churches and we can't even believe God in our marriages. We can't believe God in our singleness in raising our children. It's no different God in this passage. It's just, just no different God. And that's why I'm saying in this year, we have to be more productive. Whether people come back or not, that's fine. Let's take who we got and make a difference. Let's stop talking about, well, we waited. I ain't waiting on nobody to come back. I'm done waiting. I'm saying they come back. They know what God is telling them. They need to be intentional about it. If they don't, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Moses last week, we learned that Moses and his parents, his parents actually, are the ones who confirmed they had faith when a king's edict was exercised and the people were killing babies everywhere. And they don't have any power just to do anything different. When those soldiers show up, they come smack through the door. And those doors weren't like locks on the doors. Many times they're just blinds on the door. And they come smack through those doors. I remember going to some of the villages of Africa. The villages of Africa, the villages, not the cities, cities of Africa, many cities that I've gone in Africa, like America, but everybody go takes pictures of the, the, the beautiful tower in Paris and don't go to, the, to, the, to, to all the ghettos in Paris. When they go to Africa, they go to the villages, not the cities. When I go to the villages in Africa, there ain't no door. You know, the chickens running in and out. So could you imagine these slaves in mud huts, in mud huts, and these soldiers just coming in, grabbing their kids and throwing them in the Nile, killing them. And in spite of that kind of power, these folks confirmed they had faith in God by the way they acted. Here's a second thing we find in this passage. That kind of faith went down to their child, Moses. 
It starts off with the parents, goes to their child. That's one of the things that you have to understand. When however you function becomes a legacy. However you operate becomes a legacy. Because kids don't listen to what you say. Kids listen to how you live. That's what they listen to. And if you don't change it, they repeat it. And then you're going to be fussing at them and they're going to look at you like, what? I know what you did. So it's a legacy you create. Whether you like it or not. That's why if a man tries to save his life, he will lose it. That's why he says this in verse 24. The next thing we find in here is that faith, it cannot gain confidence in this life because faith is required. You can't gain it without this. Look at chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. That's the problem. That's the problem. He's saying, hey, you once held to faith in verse 32. But I remember the former days when after being enlightened, the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You endured a great conflict of sufferings. You were ready to rock. You were in verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. You were like Moses' parents when it first started out. When everything was going great, you were rocking. But then COVID lasts three years, not two months. Then what happened to that faith that you started out with rocking? Do you know people gave more during COVID than they do now? Watch this carefully. It lasted too long. He says, partly by being made a public spectacle. But look at what happened in verse 35. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. You once had it, but the situation you're in is now lasting long. So all these words the Bible is teaching, you don't want to hold to them anymore because you've been holding to them, but they don't seem to produce nothing of a change in your life. And it's just going on and on and on and on and on. This husband is the same way. This wife is the same way. These baby children ain't changing no matter how much devotions I'm doing. I go to work, these folk getting crazier and crazier. Money getting tighter and tighter. Oh, God, my depression is still there. I ain't found a man and I'm 46. Jesus, come back. It lasting too long. So now all these verses, I want to just, okay, God, I, okay, read a verse a day to keep the devil away. Oh, God, I come to church because you told me to come to church. But it's no passion anymore. And that's why they says, in order for confidence to actually rise back up and be productive, it requires faith. Why do I say rise back up? Because Moses is 40 years of age when he decides this. Moses is not 10. Moses is 40. Moses has enjoyed all the Egyptians had to offer. He's enjoyed all their education, Acts chapter 7. He has listened to his mother. He has not forgotten his family. That's why when Aaron shows up and Miriam shows up, he knows who they are. So in the 40 years that he left out of Egypt, apparently living in Midian, he would come back and forth, that I believe, he'd come back and forth because he knows his family. He knows who they are. They, Miriam could get all in his face because she changed his pamper like my older sister will tell me from time to time. Boy, I changed your pamper. Thank you. I don't wear them anymore, though. <laughs> I don't wear them, okay? I don't wear them no more. So stop trying to tell me to be my mama. You ain't my mama. 
So Miriam was trying to be mama, telling Moses what about who he gonna marry. Because they knew him. Moses lived for 40 years being Moses, but he couldn't keep doing it. He couldn't keep doing it. And what changed him is something that made him make decisions. He had to come to decision. Because faith is required in order for confidence to be maintained. Watch this. How does this work? Look at verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 11. He says, by faith, we've defined faith already. Faith is not something popping out of the skies. I get frustrated people say, oh, I have faith that God is going to give me this car. He never said that in a verse. Okay, you all end up with a bill, insurance, and if it's uh, pre-owned, you end up with a used car. Because you, he didn't say that in any verse. Faith comes by hearing. What's the word comes? Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, it's deposited and ready for use. But you got to be able to apply it before faith works. James chapter 2. We talked about it. Faith works when you go to work with it. If you don't apply God's word, we don't have faith. We just had that it come. That's it. So people say, I got faith. Where's the verse? I got faith that I'm able to sustain in this life that I'm dealing with. What verse are you claiming? What verse are you believing in? And what verse are you acting on? That's the difference here. Do these people who are backing up in chapter 10 have verses? He's saying they do, but they're throwing it away. They close their Bible and only do come to church. They were even forgot coming to church. Look at verse 25. They, they didn't want to come to church. He says, not forsaking the assembling together as a habit of some. Not coming to church will become a habit. That's why it's hard to come back. It's a habit. He's telling you it is. So he's saying to us, they even quit going to church because the struggles in life, the pain of life was just too much. And he says, as a result of that, these decisions weren't being made and therefore they totally did not have faith. And therefore they were going to destruction. Look at chapter 10. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But the righteous one, the person who wants to walk in God's word, will live by faith, not sight, not feelings, not their own way of thinking. If they shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in them. Is God merciful and will keep trying to take care of his kids? Yes. But would God find pleasure in them? No. Look at what he says. But we are not of those who string back to what? Destruction. So we think we have an option here, but we don't. God is doesn't find pleasure when we, he's done his job of depositing the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Bible, the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth, the Holy Spirit to remind us of what the Bible is saying and he's given us everything we need for life and godliness and we are not doing anything with it. We're just throwing it away. Anytime a marriage gets tense, we just throw it away. We go to our feelings. This is what I think. When loneliness gets difficult, we just, you know what, God, I just got to date somebody because I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of eating all these Valentine stuff by myself. God, I am sick of these folk on this job. 
they're going to have to hear some mouth today. They got to recognize. So we, we come to that point where we go to our feelings. And when we go to our feelings, the Bible says we threw it away. We threw it away just like trash. That's what he's saying. Moses had to decide to do these things, these different things we're going to talk about, these four things we're going to talk about. Moses had to decide to do that. Or if he didn't, Moses would have become prince and enjoyed everything that, that there was to enjoy, but he would have never been Moses. Never been Moses. God would have had to find a different leader. Watch this carefully. The first thing Moses decided is, I'm going to put the word of God to work by faith. I had to put the word of God to work. Not being a general of the army. Not being my strategic knowledge of all the scientific things the Egyptians would teach me. And the strategies of war. That's why the spies were sent in. Moses was trying to put together a strategy of war. None of those things. I decide to do God. Period. Here's the next thing. He said, when I was full grown, you got to take your spiritual growth seriously. Oh, the, the word doesn't make any sense. Come on, folks. How many times our mama and daddy told us stuff and it didn't make no sense? Right? But then we grew up and we went, oh, wow. That was, I wish I had taken them serious way back. I may not have made all these mistakes I made. If I just listened to them. My dad literally sat me down. When I was in college, and he said, son, listen to me. I want you to learn Spanish. Go learn Spanish. I made it all the way to the Spanish college. I literally got to the door. Somebody distracted me. And, and guess who Pierre goes and marries? An Argentinian. What does she speak? There you go. If I had listened to my daddy, I would have known Spanish. Guess how many people live in this community that are Spanish-speaking people? Lots in Acres Home. Even though my dad couldn't see that, God must have put it on his heart, told me to go learn Spanish, and this dude said, no. What am I learning Spanish for? I'm 19 years of age, all black, and got my Afro going, and, you know, all Afrocentric, and, and I ain't learned Spanish. So when I grow up, I go, man, I wish I had listened to my dad. Growing spiritually. That's why it's life app classes, applying the word of God. Listening to somebody tell us, hey, this is how it worked for me. Oh, this is a mistake I made when I didn't pick up the Bible and did this. I could learn from somebody else. And when I'm learning from someone else and I'm getting the chance to apply God's word, because now I get it and I started to grow up in Christ, guess what happens? It now makes sense what Moses' mother was teaching him. So that's why spiritual growth is huge. You can't just come to church and go home. You got to be in a small group where you can challenge yourself to grow. That's why we do that here. That's why we do it here. Here's the third thing. We got classes for marriage people. We, we've got small groups for our, your youth. We have small groups for your children. Because this is huge. Or their faith does not come to life and their potential that God has for them in their life is not seen. The potential that God could see in us is not seen. 
Who would have think a 12-year-old boy going to meet with this woman named Sister Clark, carrying an umbrella, riding on a duck-bellied bike, coming for one kid would be standing here today. Then you go put on your church clothes. She takes me. She gets me. She'll tell me where to walk. I go to church and I'm sitting there waiting on Sister Clark because of my mother. Then it became something I want to do. When I became 13, going on 14, I now want to learn this. But it took the time to grow. Here's the third thing we find. He says, called the son of Pharaoh. We have to make an active strategic choice. It is not something that's going to come by osmosis. It is not, folks. You will be in the same place spiritually. You would be in the same place mentally. You would be in the same place in your experience of God if there's not a decision to make and you make it. As long as you put off the decision, you've made a decision not to do it. That's literally how I see it. I told you, raise my kids on that. Delayed obedience is the first step to disobedience. You can't say, God, I'm getting to it. You just told God you're not. That's what he's saying here. Look at this carefully. Watch the words. Call the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Call the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There's two things attached to that. Number one, Moses says, I reject what you're asking me to become. I reject it. Some of you young people haven't rejected that nice life. You haven't rejected going and sitting, you know, in these. I'm not in a club. I'm just in the area here giving a little drink and hanging out with my friends. You haven't, you haven't rejected that. You haven't rejected pornography. You haven't rejected living a life in, under the covers at the job where you don't want nobody to know you're all this church person. You haven't rejected, you haven't decided any of those things. And the Bible is saying what you've done is accepted what the world has to offer you in this life. You've yet to accept what God wants to do with your life. You haven't accepted what God wants to do with the life he sustains. You just keep accepting whatever the world makes you. A good employee. A faithful person that comes to the house and do what they're supposed to do. There's nobody growing up, nobody being challenged. I just do what the world expects from me and that's where I'm a good person. And I'm done. I don't see the potential. My son called me one day from college. My oldest son, he was mad. He was mad. I said, why are you so mad? Man, dad, this coach is like on me all the time. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm doing exactly what he said, but no, you didn't move your feet. Okay. But I, I ran to the hole. I, I did my job in the hole. But when you got to the hole, you squatted. He's like picking at me. I said, that coach really is trying to work on you. He sees potential. See, Dad, that's why I didn't want to call you. <laughs> I said, son, I'm just telling you the truth. You can accept the truth and reject the truth, but that coach likes you. That coach actually sees potential. You say he's picking on you, picking on you, picking on you about your feet, your, where you squat, how you tackled, how you went in a certain way. He's picking on you. You say he's not doing it to the other cornerbacks, but he's doing it to you. He is seeing potential in you, and that's why he's doing this. That's why sometimes when you choose to walk with God, he seems to be picky. He's just trying to make you better. You know, there was a gentleman that came to work on my house, he, my dryer broke, and he came to work on my house, and it was nice when he was going out the door, and he says, you know, you don't know this, 
but your ministry on television changed my life. It is nice to, when we go to Africa, to see pastors just come and they are so engaged in what they're learning. It just empowers us that travel there. It's good to go to the Caribbean and see the difference that God has blessed us to be able to make as we contribute for God's glory to the many different things that are taking place. So folks, I pray that you will support this ministry. It goes towards ministry. And I pray that when you do so, you would see the impact that it's making on the lives of people. Look forward to your support. We need it. Thank you.